Welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm Dave Cohen. And I'm James Caring. And we hope you're enjoying your summer holidays wherever you may be, if you're uh, performing or spectating in Edinburgh or uh, anywhere else around the world. And uh, James and I, we've been, uh, well, you, you've not really been having much of a holiday, have you? Uh, well, I, I sort of got my holidays in early, so right. now it feels like I'm slightly skulking around. Although I am actually <laughs> not at home at the moment, I am on the east coast of Suffolk. Right. Um, and I'm nice. meant to be on holiday, but I am actually spending the whole day working on a script. Um, right. So okay. In, in order well, to meet a deadline, so that's all gone pretty badly wrong, hasn't it? Um, it has, yes. But uh, at least you've got a script that you're working on, which is that's uh, true. Which yeah, is nice. I can't be can't be too yeah. complaining about that. No. So where okay. have you been gallivanting around, Dave? I've been uh, I've been to Sardinia, which uh, topically uh, has been in the news because somebody uh, tried to steal some sand from Sardinia. Uh, oh and, wow! And faced a six-month jail sentence for doing it. And uh, having uh, driven around Sardinia for the last two weeks, uh, it's quite easy to pick up uh, forty kilograms of sand in your car because it gets very windy there. And there's a lot <laughs> <Okay>. of sand. <laughs> but uh, but right. apart from that, I've been enjoying myself. I've been really enjoying not having uh, social media media which I'll uh, talk about a bit later and uh, I've been reading lots and lots of books um, as well so uh, yeah I've not been doing any work at all oh how lovely that's good it has been nice actually yeah it's, it's been good but you've been busy with your uh, w- turning your book writing that sitcom you've been turning that into an audio book uh, yes right? indeed yeah? so what I've been doing is I've actually been reading through my book chapter by chapter and right. uh, putting each chapter up as we go um, as an available to our Patreon subscribers. Right. And if you if you want, you can go to uh, our Patreon page now and I'll, I'll make one of the um, chapters available, as it were. We'll put a link in the show notes or something. Right. And um, you can listen to a chapter of it. And um, so, yeah, so they've been going up chapter by chapter. And it's been interesting reading something I wrote a little while back and how I think most of it still holds pretty fast. Yeah. Um, But so the idea of the book is that it takes you from the having the original idea to to a final script that you can send out to producers. And And at the very bit, there's a mixture of a pep talk and an intervention where I try to convince you not to write a sitcom <laughs> because it's just it's just a very long and winding and hard road and there is no real there's no particularly good reason to do it so um, it sort of resembles an episode of sitcom geeks in that sense I, I guess. think so yeah <laughs> I, I think people when they say nice things about it on Amazon they tend to say that this is decent and realistic advice from someone who knows what they're talking about so right yeah um, so that that seems to be so I, I'm not rereading it now thinking oh my goodness it's all changed because um, I mean, in some ways, it has changed, hasn't it? I mean, if you think of the last couple of years or so, there's the sort of two big changes I think have noticed, but not not necessarily in terms of how to write a script, but uh, the fact that um, comedy drama has become such a, a, a big thing. Um, has, has that had a much of an effect at all? Well, the, the the book is still very much aiming at writing a half-hour sitcom script. And so, in a way, I mean, given that still nobody actually knows what a comedy drama is, it's very hard to give advice on something when, when, when the actual nature of the thing is is unclear. Um, right. Did, so, did you, did you ever the, have, the, have the urge to um, rewrite or, or sort of edit or change what, what was already there and well, update it? Well, weirdly, I sort of didn't, actually. And so it was fun. And I had the same effect. Um, read. So I've just done the audiobook 
um, for my other book, The Sacred Art of Joking, which I right. discovered via the internet, is actually now available. Nobody ever, nobody actually told me that it was... I would happily have promoted it for them if they told me. But, <laughs> right. Um, and actually, yeah, reading that, I think because partly my writing style is slightly based on how I actually talk, I yeah. think it makes it relatively easy to read. Mm-hmm. The, the only big difference, really, or not, it's not even a difference, is in the book, the chapter that I talk about, where I talk about... Um, multi-cam versus single-cam comedy. And I've, right. I, come, I come down fairly heavily on the side of, of multi-cam studio comedy. And partly that's my own preference. But, and partly a studio audience really makes sure that you keep jokes coming because I think you can get a little bit safe when you go out into... Um, where you, can be, you can let yourself off having to make an audience laugh uh, when mm-hmm. you do a single-camera yeah. show. Um, but I also I, I make the case that commissioners are much more excited about studio sitcom scripts because they don't get very many of them. Yeah. Now, I think they probably still don't get very many of them, but I, 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 I now am less confident in how excited uh, the mainstream channels particularly are to have well, studio scripts. Cause I think that although they would love the idea of it, I think there are little bits worried about the risks and i you know i understand that but um yeah i mean that was that was the second point that i was going to come to is that 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 i felt that that's the the second change is that um you know there has been a a glut you know we we have been spoiled by new sitcoms really this year uh compared to say the last two or three years where uh the nearest that we got to new was like a sort of remake of porridge or something um so it's um, quite uh, it, it, it's been quite exciting, but there are still no audience sitcoms. Yeah, um, uh, and yeah, and yet they still say they are looking for them and are not going out. Has just been uh, they, they've ordered another three series of not going out. Yeah. So obviously they do still want audience sitcoms, or at least they they still want that one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I get the impression that. The, the the message is well you know we like not going out but you know it's not it's not like a massive hit like Mrs Brown's Boys or Miranda were but it's you know it's a kind of steady as she goes show and uh, social media is not um, getting up every morning uh, telling everybody what a uh, blight on the universe not going <laughs> out is yeah uh, and so so it's continuing from that point of view but it does sort of feel to me like it's sending a message saying you know hey you know, successful comedians, look here, here's Lee Mack, he's doing this, he's still doing it, and we still want it. It, it sort of feels like maybe there's a, that subliminal message there. Do, do you think maybe that's what yeah, they're trying to say? Yeah, I think so. I think there's always hope. I mean, the Big Bang Theory is, you know, has only really recently finished, and they'll be repeating that forever. Yeah. <laughs> Friend, Friends is being rediscovered by people in their early 20s yeah. on, mm-hmm. on a practically fortnightly basis. Um, yeah. And and you know people are still watching Frasier and uh, and Dad's Army and all these shows. So mm. I'm not sure I'm not sure the format is ever going to go away. Yeah. And I, I personally sort of really like it and prefer it. Although you know I watch Brooklyn Nine Nine and The Goldbergs, but those shows have a pretty dense joke rate. Yeah. That feel yeah. like they could have been a studio show if exactly. they wanted to be. Brooklyn Nine Nine definitely feels that way to me. Yeah. Um, so. But but I think overall the the advice that is being dispensed in this in this book um, is I think is still still holds true. I just I wouldn't necessarily be as optimistic about the chances of a mainstream studio show 
in terms of the basic idea alone, you as a non-performing writer having a such self-evidently brilliant idea and executing it so brilliantly um, that it's obvious that this is going to be a huge hit. I think a number of things now need to be assembled, including having a star attached to it and have it, you know, I think it's, I think the script alone is is not currently quite enough. But the thing is, you still need the script. The, the yeah. script the script may not be the end or the last word, but it is certainly the beginning. Yeah. So that's why we don't really have any control over the industry, especially not as writers. But you do have control over the words on the page and the script. Mm. So yeah. so here's here's how to make that as good as you can. And if if you still can't get it on, well that's a shame but you've done everything you can and you and that's how you can sleep at night at least or or, or yeah. at least get over it yeah i, mean, I actually uh, just a, 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 by the way i'm curious to know um what uh, what made you decide to record both of these books rather than just have them out there in print um i don't know really i think well i, I do know the sacred art of joking I was offered money if for the rights right, and then yeah. offered further money to actually record the book myself. Okay. So that was pushing against an open door as far as I could see. And I'd, and I'd never read an audio book before. Um, mm-hmm. And I thought, well, why not? And I didn't fully believe because I'd written the book and I have some audio experience. I thought I find it hard to believe they'll find an actor who will do this this book better than me. I mean, they'll do Treasure Island better than yeah. me, and that's fine. Could you but, maybe uh, sort of have the, this image of some uh, great Shakespearean uh, actor yeah. delivering all eyes, taking notes, yes, what exactly. you should do, how you yeah. should agree to take notes, young yes. man. Derek uh, Jacobi sort yeah. of telling people how to write a sitcom. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and then actually having done that, I thought, well, this isn't too hard, is it? I could probably record my own book writing that sitcom. And so I've, I've sort of started doing that. I haven't recorded it all yet, but as I do it, chapters are appearing um, for our Patreon subscribers. So right. that is, especially is an easy thing to do over the summer when I've been away a bit and you've been away. Hmm. So we've been putting stuff up um, whilst we've just put a bit, bit of a pause on our other Patreon-only series, Soup to Nuts, where we've been talking about, um, you know, just creating a show from scratch. So we kind of we kind of need to be in the same room to do more of those. But whilst we're away, I, I can do this. So that's yeah. another reason. Yeah, and another reason to join our Patreon scheme mm. and um, join the literally dozens of people. <laughs> it is literally dozens. It's, yeah. it's several dozen um, who also get access to a, a secret Facebook group and um, uh, lots of other audio content. Um, yeah. I mean, hours worth. I mean, sort of fifteen hours worth of extra audio content. Yeah. And um, we uh, we'll read your scripts as well for some of you. If you uh, yes if yes you if you join at a particular level, then yeah. then we can do a first ten pages. And but everyone gets access to listen to those first ten pages only podcasts. So yeah, other reasons uh, to join. So Dave, um, you've you've you know I've been good, I've been doing that whilst uh, you've been out and about gadding about Sardinia and possibly <laughs> stealing sand, um, yeah. <laughs> uh, but also you've been offline and reading books. So w- which of those do you want to talk about yeah. first? Yeah, well, it, um, the, the 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 two kind of go together really in some ways because uh, that, that, that one of the main things that I noticed um, not having Wi-Fi for more than two weeks uh, was my concentration level uh, shot up by about two thousand percent. Um, it was 
really quite amazing and uh, the, the other thing I've realised is that um, uh, Twitter is, uh, all, seems to me to be almost a complete and utter waste of time um, is that wow. correct? Well <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's hard to justify that it's a constructive use of time. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I use it, I find it useful in terms of uh, for sitcom geeks and uh, for the, the things that sort of uh, giving advice and, and, and coming up with ideas and thoughts about, about writing as such. It's quite interesting and you get into interesting conversations. But then I get into interesting conversations with other people about nothing to do with comedy. Um, and then I get into an argument with somebody um, about being Jewish in the Labour Party or Brexit or something, uh, and then and then somebody I know says something funny, and I've got a terrible urge to um, to top the joke with a sort of classic comedian's thing, and yeah. so I'll I'll write a joke, and suddenly before I I realise it, I've just been spending half an hour just kind of scrolling up and down, um, answering uh, answering questions and getting involved in conversations with people, uh, not necessarily you, but other p- people that I see often yeah. enough that I can have conversations with them you know face to face um and and I just um and I started to, to realize very quickly that actually 90% of the time that I spend on Twitter is just arsing about really yeah uh, no it is uh, uh, it's uh, sort of showing off um, yeah or pestering people or just like yeah a lot of it is not terribly useful is it yeah but it does uh what what happened was i i actually read uh, i read eight novels which is just you know kind of usually about as much as i read in a year uh, in a good year that would be yeah. um and um it's it's it might not seem relevant here but it's quite interesting the fact that you've been re re reading your uh reading out your your book and and i guess you're still in the early chapters you're still at the you know kind of what um you know what's the point of writing a book what why am i the person to do it right what, okay what, yeah you know the, the questions that you and i are ask a lot on here well you know the why me why now stuff yeah and it's really interesting reading books from uh i think the oldest book that i read is a, a reread of a, a, a book called um second from last in the sack race by david nobbs uh who of course wrote reggie perrin and the uh, the book was first recommended to me probably about 30 years ago before i knew that david nobbs wrote novels um and I, ha- having reread it it's an absolutely fantastic uh book one of my one of my favorite david nobbs books i think yeah. um but that's the oldest one and most of the other books are either kind of the last couple of years or kind of from a few years ago and um you get a real understanding of a sense of the the, the why me why now um and and what 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 themes emerge and and possibly that you you get the sense that maybe uh the themes were not there at the start but they kind of come through uh over over the course of the people writing the books yeah um and so um one of the one of the kind of quite interesting things just just to pick up on four of books that i read that are relatively new um there's a book uh, normal people by sally rooney uh, milkman by anna burns Clock Dance by Anne Tyler and The Only Story by Julian Barnes. So these are all four books that have been written in the last couple of years. And they all had, um, it, 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 to a greater or lesser extent, uh, episodes to do with um, dom- domestic violence, uh, men and women, uh, you know, men hitting on women, 
physically, mentally, literally, whatever. And it all felt very much like the sort of the Me Too dialogue of the last two years was kind of filtering through into these novels. And all these, all of the novels had a, had a, a take that was just against the, the sort of narrative that has been coming out of the last two years, which is basically, you know, you, I think you have to go one way extreme uh, and have a big thing and the whole Me Too thing that exploded before you then start to look at the nuance and say, yeah, OK, so, yes, there are these sort of extreme cases. Yeah, a lot of these uh, books deal with the fact of uh, the, the, the uh, violence against women or uh, attacks, uh, physical attacks and mental attacks, as being uh, within families, and it's and, and it's you know it's not necessarily something that's out there in public. So I thought that was really just quite interesting. That it's a way of you know why am I writing this now? Yeah. Uh, and and all these novelists, you know, from the kind of extremely famous well-known Julian Barnes uh, and Tyler uh, to these um, including Anna Burns who is uh, my age she's about yeah. six, 60 I think but she's um, this is like she's ne- she's been 30 years trying to write novels so this is the first one that one of the first ones she's written and it's won the Booker Prize I and mean, it's an astonishing book um, but they're all kind of saying oh right domestic violence is out there at the moment this is this is the my take on it um and so that's and obviously i'm not saying i'm not expecting to see many sitcoms about me too or domestic violence but that, that the point is that, that when something is out there you've got a kind of you've got a take on it that's that's different from what the narrative is that's out there then that's where i think that's where you're going to score a, a, a big hit really so that that's that was the sort of first main takeaway, really, uh, yeah. that I took from reading all of those books. Um, I don't know if you've got, got any thoughts about that specifically. Um, no, I mean, not really. No, I'm, I'm sort of just envious that you managed to read eight books. <laughs> no. um, I think the last time I did something like that was when I went on a Caribbean holiday before I had kids and read, basically read a book a day. And this this was it, one of those. I've not done a holiday like this since before BK, indeed, before kids. Yeah. Uh, and it definitely was uh, a kind of slightly bizarre experience, uh, really. But um, no, there was some great. Um, it, 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 was, it was great to be able to do that. Um, there's a book. I don't know of the books I read. I don't know. Do you read? Are you a Robert Harris fan? Yeah. Yes. I, well, I've read. I've read Enigma and. Um, not Fatherland, the other one. Munich? One of, no, it's one about Stalin, quite a long right, time ago. Okay. Well, this was one, this is called An Officer and a Spy. Uh, this is about the uh, the Dreyfus case, uh, which um, I don't know if you remember that, the French case of the, uh, the Jewish uh, army officer who was accused of spying uh, and quite oh, right. clear quite clearly was innocent but uh it was was framed and it's a, a, amazing how the whole the french army conspired uh to uh, they, they knew that he'd been framed they knew that he was innocent but it was kind of more complicated and more awkward to get the real man okay than it was just to kind of leave dreyfus to to rot and die in a prison on an island Devil's mm. Island or something. Oh, blimey. Ridiculous. It's like a Cant of Monte Cristo. <laughs> yeah, so it's a real... I mean, it's a, it was a shocking story when it... when It, uh, it was the turn of the century, uh, end of the last century uh, in France. And uh, Dreyfus would have 
you know, probably been left to rot if it hadn't been for that one particular uh, army officer who who was just kind of wanted to, you know, wanted to do it all by the book. Um, so it, it's a sort of classic story, really. And it, yeah. it, it was only the fact that the famous writers, people like Emile Zola, started to stand up uh, for Dreyfus that, 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 that the case finally was brought back and he 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 was cleared um but that what's really interesting this book came out about sort of six or seven years ago is that uh the 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 main uh every the the, the the what the army said to sort of stop this other guy kind of putting his nose in about Dreyfus saying well you know we we can't retry him you know because we the things that we know if you knew these things that we we know and, right. we, and we can't tell you because they're national security things um then you'd realize why we have to stop and he just gets to the bottom of this, and it turns out it's basically it's a dodgy dossier. Uh, yeah, so, all, as you said, if you knew what we knew, you go, well, hang on, this, yeah. this all sounds a bit familiar. It, it, it's totally the Iraq War, really. Yeah. Uh, and and so this dodgy dossier turns up. As far as I know, this is all true because Robert Harris's books are all historically correct, although they're they're fictional retellings of stories. So this this dossier is this sort of pathetic, slim thing that is just a rehash of everything that everyone else has said, but it's it's got a sort of fancy cover and it's been like, you know, sort of top secret and everything. <laughs> so so that's the only reason they say, Oh, you know, we can't it, it we're 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 operating in the best interests of the, the, the world by yeah. not revealing this. So you can you you know, you the things that are out there, you can take them uh, and put them into. And I, I know we've, you know, we, we've talked about the various ups and downs of trying to do a kind of a period, uh, historically uh, mm. period sitcoms and things. So they they do they kind of come and go, really, don't they? Um, sometimes, yeah, they have their moments. Yeah, they have their. Some favorite. people say, yeah. no, we're not ready for a costume sitcom, and then next week a new costume sitcom comes out. So. Um, so, but it is about maybe taking something that's from the past, but you can put you can put your kind of present experience onto that, really. So those yeah. are the, that's the kind of two main things that I brought back in terms of what you know for you as a writer um, when you're thinking about of what your idea is. Why why is it you? Why are you the right person to do this? If you can find a connection. Uh, with something historical and, uh, and and updated, yeah, make it relevant to now. Then that's you know potentially a good idea for uh, f- for a show. Absolutely, and actually, I think it's always it goes back to because some of our listeners may be thinking uh, we're talking an awful lot about books, but actually they do say that writers are readers. And yeah. we, it's very tempting to kind of drill down and think of situations, think of situation, you know, comedy characters and all these different plots and trying to come up with original ideas and also look into examples of your own life and this kind of thing. But actually, you can't beat just reading, reading without an agenda, just reading mm. for the sake of reading, Switch, switching off your Wi-Fi, switching off your phone and going sitting in the sun and, uh, and reading and it's it's easier said than done, but it it, it has to be done because you you do you will start to run dry quite soon if you don't start doing things like that and read things that you think you might even not be interested in and you might be pleasantly surprised. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you read things that you think, oh, this will be juicy, and it turns out to be not terribly dramatic or funny. 
uh, and that's that's good too yeah uh, another point uh just to come back to the david nobbs book um david nobbs of course was most famous for reggie perrin but he also uh, wrote the series bit of a do um uh, various other shows that he, he was involved with but he always thought of himself as a novelist first um, and so here's somebody who's written one of the, the all-time great sitcoms uh, of the 1970s you know the last 50 or 60 years but he he fundamentally thought of himself as a novelist so you know, you you can pick up. I don't know if you read uh, Dickens' books. You know, for instance, um, you know if you can get over the mawkishness of some of it. There's a lot. There's a lot of great, almost sitcom-like comedy in Dickens. Yeah. Um, I remember when we also we you know we talked to uh, Jonathan Coe and um, how um, he. Uh, when uh, Clement Lafrenet went to adapt one of his books, and they said, you know, it's like the, we don't really have to change much here because this 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 reads like sitcom dialogue, and that's another great thing you do get from books. Is, you know, a well written book, you can't you, you you're, when you you don't feel like you're reading words on a page. You do feel like a conversation comes to life. So that's another that's another good reason for reading good comic novels that's right and also maybe that's a good reason to think about writing one even though your chances or <laughs> what would you, what would your sitcom be if it were a novel and yeah. the reason i sort of would bring that up and maybe even think about writing it as a novel not least because i mean jonathan Coe could have been a sitcom writer let's be honest yeah there are others like david lodge who also could have been sitcom writers uh-huh. and there were people like um simon nye who started out as a as a as a novelist men behaving right. badly oh, i didn't know that men behaving badly was a novel oh okay um, uh, actually, i think maybe i did know that and then you've got reggie perrin of course with david yeah. Nobbs. but the thing about books that's worth bearing in mind is books are eighty thousand words give or take and therefore your novel really does have to be about something. Mm-hmm. It does have to have, you've got, a, you've got a narrator's voice. You really are thinking quite deeply about your characters and your ideas. And I think because a TV sitcom script is so short, it's only 5,000 words, 5,500 words, it feels like you're, you're done just before you've started. And it therefore right. feels like you, you don't need much in order to cover five and a half thousand words, which I guess to some seems impossibly long, I, mm. I realise that. But actually, your sitcom script probably requires as much work as a novel because it is all you are doing is showing the tip of the iceberg. You are showing, you are you are opening the window on a world. You are showing a series of characters who have a backstory that we don't probably know yet and might might never know, but they have complexities and situations and relationships. And you, when you read a script that kind of feels like it's that, um, you really are reading something a bit special. And your work will be set apart from someone who's just found an original situation, written some funny characters and some jokes. And that's a really good start. But if it's got much more depth to it, if it really is about something else, um, and it's a, almost like a counterpoint to what we're reading, I, I, think, you're, I, th- I think you will get further faster with your script. Uh, whether you make it to the screen or not, I don't know. But as mm. I said before, that's that's out of our hands, isn't it? Yeah. And uh, conversely, I would say, having just written a novel <laughs> this year, uh, I might have mentioned it once or twice on this uh, show. Um, I, I'm not necessarily sure that I'm the right person to to uh, 
kind of pontificate on it because it's literally it's a first draft and i've no idea if it's any good or if it's a a a, a pile of whatever um but i i became aware in the process of writing it and, and subsequently reading all these books uh actually I, I i was always thinking oh right a book this is like going to be a a huge canvas compared to sitcom you know like you say you've only got five thousand words uh and you're really gonna have to make your impact but I, actually i became aware very quickly where i'd be uh i'd, I'd be waffling and um you know there probably still is quite a lot of waffle uh, in there but but uh, it felt very similar to the sitcom I thought right I, I, I've got a fixed number of characters this this thing has to happen in this scene now and you know I was able to put in a bit more like internal monologues and and descriptions of the the people and the things around and try to do it in a funny way um, but I still felt I've got to get in here as quickly as possible. I've got to get out of here as quickly as as possible as well and get onto the next scene and remember these characters. And then there's a sort of limited number of characters, even with having 80,000 words to play with, and they have a limited number of things to do and you have to stick stick to those things. So it was, a, it was quite interesting in reverse thinking, oh, God, I've got all these words to play with, so many words. Hmm. Yeah, no, it's it, you can get a bit complacent about that, and actually, you need to be just as precise, don't you? Yeah. Um, mm. oh, well, I will find out when I get my uh, feedback. Yes, indeed. My... <laughs> yes, it is currently in my inbox as well. So All that's right. yes. Um, so I've yeah, I've currently just read a book about Psalm 119, which is the longest psalm. Right. And, um, I'm currently reading a book called The Universal Christ by Richard Raw. Um, right. in order to talk about that on a different podcast. But uh, when I've read those two, then uh, I hope yeah. to get to... Uh, right, get well, to I'm it. about to read a book by Bill Dare. So, uh, ah, yes, uh, indeed. A, a guest of... Uh, previous guest of Sitcom Geeks. Yes. And, of course, the uh, head of the National Film Television School uh, comedy yeah. teaching class. So um, that will be interesting to see. I've read another novel of his, which is really good, Uh uh, which he did as a radio series as well, uh, Brian Gulliver's Travels. I uh, wonder what book that was based on. <laughs> um, so um, that's uh, that's something to look forward to. Um, but we could maybe just uh, quickly talk about some of the projects, some of the things we've got lined up uh, coming up in, in the autumn. And I think uh, the, the main thing uh, to mention is uh, Soup to Nuts, our, our sitcom, which we started writing from nothing, really. We just basically talked it into existence uh, over about a dozen or so uh, episodes, which are on Patreon, which we talked about earlier. Uh, and it feels to me like we're, we're coming close to the point where we should start to write a script. Uh, we should, yeah. yes, yeah. Um, I'm in the middle of rewriting a script at the moment uh, for something else. But, uh, but yes, we should probably stop waggling on the tea and actually get in and and start yeah. writing something uh, mm-hmm. or at least uh, yeah and and plot out the the pilot episode in a, yeah. in a shade shade more detail so we're we're looking potentially uh i hope i don't know in the next sort of three or four months to maybe uh be trying to get a pilot uh and we, we hopefully we'll get some actors to come and perform it for us which would be very nice maybe even do it in a in a room with an audience who knows that'd be good uh, wouldn't it that would be fantastic if we could persuade one of our buddies who knows how to do that sort of thing um to try and maybe do, do some kind of version of it if we could in a in a r- small room 
record it somewhere, that would be wonderful. Yeah. David Tyler. No, I don't know, mentioning yes. no names. Who knows? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and the, the other thing I thought, because we talked a lot about um, time management uh, just before the, the summer break, uh, and to be aware of the kind of program in terms of if you want to be a comedy writer of the the, the next sort of six to eight months or so uh and the, the the kind of the topical comedy season starts up again quite soon there'll be another series of news jack uh probably in uh, mid to late september uh running through to october and then another one in sort of february and uh, we've written a lot and we've recorded a lot about about uh fitting into the newsjack timetable how to how to sort of try and fit into that there's also the scottish uh, topical show breaking the news which is on radio and tv and they're always looking for one-line gags so hopefully we'll be able to uh, give you some more up-to-the-minute advice with that yeah and then uh, there's also the a news up- review of course Yes, oh, which, uh, of course, Anna Nicholson. Anna Nicholson did, yeah. And also, yeah. if you're interested, you can... I checked in with Anna the other day. I right. spoke to her while she was at the Edinburgh Fringe and recorded a 20-minute chat with her, oh, which fantastic. you can hear for free if you go to over to our Patreon page. It is, right. it is unlocked so that anybody can have a listen to how Anna's been getting on doing her show, uh, right. Woman, Woman of the Year and Be Happy. I think Woman of the Year has just finished, or is finishing roundabout now, and Woman of the Year is running till, till the very... I'd nearly called it the bitter end, but uh, to, the very, <laughs> to the very end. It's the bitter sort of two-thirds of the way through, I think, yeah. is always what happens for comedians. Well, in that interview, do go and have a listen. In that interview, I do, exp- I do sort of talk through the various stages of being at the Edinburgh Festival, where you start off with tunnel vision focused on your show and then you start coming up for air and looking around and then the resentment <laughs> kicks in and the envy yeah. and then you know the paranoia yeah so so there are the various stages of that as well but anna has been very upbeat um, as is her want right. so uh, so do do a go and see her show if you can but b yeah. go over to patreon and have a have a listen to that interview over there yeah and then the the other thing to mention and it does uh we we, we kind of build a little bit around the BBC Writers Room window, comedy script window, which usually comes around April, which probably seems like a long way away now. But now is the time to be thinking about that. And um, they'll be thinking, well, what's I've got a real chance here to shine to send a half-hour script to BBC Writers' Room that, uh, you know, how how can I make it brilliant? And I think, you know, this this is the time that you're thinking about that why me, why now stuff. Uh, you're not necessarily writing anything down, but really kind of dig dig deep into yourself, I think, uh, and, and, and think about what you can be writing. Uh, obviously, it has to be funny, but what, what how how is it just you are the person to be doing yeah. this now and yeah. you know give that and, a lot of good thought I think. yeah and and think about it now because we do meet a lot of people um and we've mentioned this before but it is worth saying again lots of people who just say well i sent the script in to the bbc writers room but it, it wasn't it wasn't ready or it wasn't any good to which i think a legitimate question is well why is that yeah. Um, why wasn't it any good? Well, I didn't have mm. time. Well, you should have started it earlier then. And sometimes yeah. you don't think of the idea till till later, and, and that's fine. But actually, you might have thought of it if you planned to think of a decent idea. So now is the time. And yep. you know, if your if your script is 
is really tight. It's really good. It is about something. You know, you can answer the question, you know, why this? Why you? Why now? Then you you might make their long list at the very least and start to appear on their radar. So even if not this year, the next year, you start to get somewhere. And yep. and also you feel like you've you've given it your best shot, I think, uh, rather yeah. than something that lots of people do, which is sort of sabotage themselves before they've started so that they don't make yeah. themselves vulnerable. Uh, but if you, I'm afraid, if you want to get into writing, you have to be prepared to have producers give you notes and say this really isn't very good, mm. and you have to be prepared for people on Amazon to say horrible things about your book, <laughs> and you have to be prepared for TV critics to say nasty uh, things and pretend yeah. that the soundtrack is that the audience soundtrack is fake. So yeah. you, you, this is the world you're getting into. So you might as well start now. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's very good advice, and uh, yeah, and and it's 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 about what you want to do, really. Mm. And uh, you know, you're not going to please everybody. Uh, and um, I just read an interview with uh, Janie Godley, who's a comedian who I've uh, a lot of time for. I've always uh, enjoyed, and uh, you know, a, a lot of people don't like Janie Godley, and a lot of people don't find her funny. Right. Uh, but enough people do uh, for her to be able to go out and make a living and do big sellout tours. And, um, you know, well, that's that's great. So, you know, you're not there. You're, you're not aiming to please absolutely everybody. But yeah. just, you want to just do the, the best that you can with, with what you are and who you are. Yeah. The, only, the other thing I can identify with your switching off Wi-Fi uh, thing, though, just maybe as we finish, is I've just finally cancelled Sky. Right. Um, <laughs> partly because... I've had it for eight years and I've, I've been paying about 20 or 30 quid a month for the last yeah. eight years because of some offer or another. Um, you know, and I've had sort of various like box sets and HD. Never, I've never had the movies and the kids stuff, but mainly I want it for the cricket, for the sport. Right. And then all of the offers expired and suddenly Sky, I realised, were charging me 70 quid a month. And at that point, it's just like, oh my goodness, in what planet is it? Is it am I paying that? Because also, I was subconsciously feeling under pressure to watch more TV because I was paying paying for it. Yeah. And so yeah. finally, I just said, no, cancel it, forget it. Mm. And they sort of made me one last ditch offer of, oh, how about the whole lot for thirty quid? <laughs> I was like, well, yeah. no, I don't. I'd actually like to watch less television, mm. and I would like well, to. Fact, I'd like to but, read more books. Yeah. The, the single reason that I never got Sky was precisely the, the reason that you did get it, which yeah. is that I just thought, if I have uh, cricket, wall-to-wall cricket available, you know, I don't, uh, yeah, of course I'll watch all the big test matches and things, but, you know, if I know that they're showing... Um, Western Australia versus New South Wales or something, yeah. and you know, and there's a three or four of the players that I know and I'm interested in. I think, well, you know, it's sort of three in the morning or something, and I can't mm. get to sleep. I think, oh, hmm, might just uh, give that a little watch. I just <laughs> that, after that all, alone. I am paying for it. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, oh no, that way madness lies. No. So I've just got a UView box, and right. I'm just sort of, but also I'm just making a habit of watching a bit less television. Although my the the show I am quite enjoying at the moment, which is both, which is amazingly on Netflix and and Amazon Prime, I think, hmm. is a show called White Collar, um, right. which is about kind of art crime, uh, sort of white collar crime, and right. um, and it's a it's a good fun show. It, I think it finished in about 2015, and there are about 80 or 100 episodes. Okay, and it's it's very very watchable. 
uh, and right. will make and, and is sort of an is an adequate substitute for elementary, which is the only thing that my wife was rather hoping we'd keep Sky on for a bit longer because right. the last series of Elementary was on with uh, with Johnny Lee Miller and um, uh, uh, Lucy Liu, which we've been enjoying. Right. So, okay. uh, but anyway, so well, I but, tried um, the uh, Alien Alien Fun Capsule, the the Harry Hill. Uh, oh yes. Panel show, just because I thought this is something that everybody in the family will be able to watch, uh, and we did, and it was very funny. But it's a little bit, it's a little bit like tv but but not quite as good as tv okay yeah it's a bit of a shame but it's i uh, just loved tv but tv was just amazing well i'm not just saying this because who we are but i think the difference between tv burp and alien fun capsule is uh the list of writers and there are just not not as many writers on uh alien fun capsule um so there are less there are less kind of it's not there are lots of good moments but it's not packed so packed out with good moments that um Mm. you know there's the occasional bit that's about five minutes long that should really only be two minutes mm. long yeah. um so that's that's the difference really as there, yeah. aren't, there aren't enough writers um so more writers please itv um, yes that's right and men and men and women yeah. women and men yes <laughs> yes gender not uh not, not an issue on this one yeah yeah uh, absolutely yeah okay well i think that uh covers um that's that's covered our current uh, holiday. Uh, what, what, what we did on our holidays. Yes, I think um, so. Yeah, I think that is the name of the episode, isn't it? What yeah. we did on our holidays. So excited to be. Have you got any more of your uh, your show, your live show? Uh, any more performances? You've got a tour coming. So yes, yeah, so yeah. in September, October, November, I will be doing the tour of a turbulent priest, which is my sort of comedy drama stage comedy about the murder of Thomas Beckett. So it, it is murder in the cathedral, but with, you know, right. when, you, when you watch murder in the cathedral, what you're thinking to yourself is, this could really do with a few songs and some jokes. <laughs> so my, so I've written the show, as it were, and James Sherwood, an uh, excellent comedy writer and musician, has mm-hmm. written the songs. And so that will be touring September, October, November, doing numerous gigs in and around London, as well as the West Country, ranging from sort of Exeter and Bristol to near Malvern, Shrewsbury, up in the Peak District, and then quite a few dotted around London in various places like Muswell Hill and Fulham Mm -hmm. and places like that. So if that sounds of any interest to you, I will be at all of them. So if you are... If if you are a listener to Sitcom Geeks, why don't you come and identify yourself um, mm. and ask me indiscreet questions about things that I don't say on the podcast that I really think. Um, <laughs> obviously, I'm fully truthful on this podcast. And I'll, I'll be there at Muswell Hill, almost ah, certainly. Yes, we could so. we could even make an evening of it, everyone. Why don't, why yes. don't we all come? All listeners come down <laughs> to Muswell Hill. It's a, it's a, it's a very big church uh, in Muswell Hill. I'm sure it could seat several hundred of us. Yep. So uh, why don't we do that? Okay. Well, that's a, it's a little bit of a bits and pieces episode there, but it feels like we're just sort of getting getting back up, back to it. And September is you know back to school, everyone. You know, yeah. stop stop reading those books, put them down. Yeah, and, I uh, will. I've already stopped. Yeah. I've already spent some time on Twitter and oh, hated myself for there it. There you go. You, know, it's that, it's that, all... you get getting those dopamine hits. Yeah, yeah. It's all in the name of sitcom geeks. So Absolutely, of course but, it is. Uh, of course it is. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, thanks very much for listening, everyone. Thank you. Speak to you next time. Okay, bye.